0: And today's a bit of a heavy message. Um, and so are you ready? You, you, you up for starting out with some heavy truth? I mean, right out of the gate? You up for that? Yeah. Well, here's the first one. Um, there's not a single person on this planet, wherever you are, that can really live... Outside of the love of God. Now, we're living, we're breathing. If you're here today, it's because you're breathing and you're living, but you're not really living. There is not a person on the planet who can really live outside of the love of God. No one here or anywhere on the planet is beyond the love of God. No matter. What kind of things you've thought in your mind and in your heart, no matter what you've said, no matter where you've been, I would just say this, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, you cannot sin too deep for God's love to not find you because he loves you. Here's an awesome, heavy truth. If you know and have the love of God, then nothing can ever separate you from it, ever. No one can ever alter it. No one can ever diminish its passion for you. And no one can steal it away from you. Romans chapter 8 is clear on this. There isn't any trouble that can separate you from the love of God. There isn't any hardship that can separate you from the love of God. There isn't any persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword that can separate us from the love of God. Neither death nor life, praise God, neither angels or demons. There isn't any power on this earth, neither present or future or any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Does somebody want to shout hallelujah to that? Aren't you glad that your fickleness and my fickleness, aren't you glad that our selfishness and our self-serving attitude and our hedonism that we spoke about last week, aren't you glad that that cannot keep us and separate us from the great love of the Father that he has bestowed upon us? (sighs) Praise the Lord for that. My heart's heavy about this because today, right now, if you don't have the love of God, then you'll never be satisfied with your life. You'll never really know what it is to live until you have been changed by God's love and filled with God's love. I feel like singing an old song right now. (laughs) Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made were every man... oh wait. wait, No, 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 no. (laughs) Isn't that something? At least I wrote the words down. Were every stalk... On earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the old dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Do you know the song? Sing with me. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure. How measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure, the saints' and angels' song. The love of God, the love of the Father is perfect. The love of the Father is purifying, and the love of the Father is satisfying, and the love of the Father is eternal, and it's forever, and it is that love that John is writing to us about in the book of 1 John. I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles and go there, and you're like, 1 John, didn't we already finish that? Nope. (laughs) I know that was in last year, and you're not supposed to carry on a series into the new year, but hey... I didn't finish it, and I got this thing. I got to finish things, so um, my word. It's like a puzzle, and you get to the very end of a 2,000-piece puzzle, and you have 1,999 pieces, and you can't find the last piece. Does that bother anybody else but me? It just happened to me yesterday. I've been working on this puzzle for a couple of weeks, and I got to the end. I finished it, and there was one missing. <laughs> I'm literally on my hands and knees, looking underneath the table, looking up under all the chairs, and while I'm on my knees, I'm saying, you have a problem, Phil. <laughs> you have a problem. But that's kind of how it is with the book of First John. It's like we didn't get to finish it, And so we're going to finish it. You okay with that? So it's going to take us a couple of weeks to finish it. And so here we are back in the book of 1 John. But I want to tell you something. John has more to say about the love of God in this little book of his in 1 John than any other place in the scriptures. And if you take a walk with me through the first four chapters or up to the fourth chapter, um, you'll see in, in chapter two, verse five, if you obey God's word, John tells us then God's love is complete in you. Isn't that something? Verse 10 of chapter 2 loving your brother is proof that you are a child of God, because if you're not a child of God, you can't love your brother. Verse 15 if you love the world and all that is in the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. Remember that message? Very sobering passage. Chapter 3, verse 10, the way to know the difference between a child of God and a child of Satan is the love that the children of God have for their brothers and sisters. Jesus himself said, this is how the whole world will know that you're my disciples and that you're different from everybody else in the world, is because of the great love you have for one another. Verse 14 of chapter 3, the way that you know that you've passed from death into life is because you love Before, when you weren't in Christ, you didn't love, but now that you love, it's proof that you're in Christ. Verse 17 of chapter three, if you see your brother in need and turn your back on him in the middle of his need, then you don't have the love of the Father in you. Isn't that sobering? All of these things that we've been studying now bring us to 1 John 4, 7, which is our text today. Dear friends, let us love one another. And i titled the sermon, Learning to Love Like God, because we don't know how to fulfill this commandment on our own. We've got to know how, we've got to learn how to love one another, verse 7, for love comes from God. So we're going to look at different lessons that we're going to learn about the love of God in order to learn how to love like God. God does. And the first lesson is this, lesson number one, loving God isn't self-taught. Why? Look at verse seven. For love comes from God. Here's the deal, my friends. You ready? You can't make this happen yourself. It doesn't come from somewhere deep inside of us because it doesn't exist deep inside of us. You got that? You can't conjure it up, you can't muster the strength to be truly loving in this world that we live in, because loving like God isn't self-taught. Loving like God, you can't create. Now, what are we talking about? It's very important. I've done this before, and I'll probably do it again, because it's very important that we understand what God's word is saying, okay? So I want to make it clear what kind of love we're talking about, because in the Greek language, it's more complicated um, than ours. It's very descriptive. And so in the Greek language, they'll have three different words that all translate into love in English, but they all have different meanings. You've seen this before, but we'll do it again, okay? The first is phileo which is brotherly love. This is where we get the word? Phil. Yes, that's where we get the word Phil. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, philanthropy comes from this word. Um, the city, The city of Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love that's what this is okay and so there are many times in the scripture where it's talking about this kind of love but not here in this passage the other one is eros which is sensual or sexual love this is between brothers and sisters this is between a man and a woman okay and, I, you know, we get our word erotic from this word, okay? I just need you to hear loud and clear, and plug your kids' ears right now, okay? But I need you to hear loud and clear that sexual love is of God. Sexual sex is actually God's idea. Got that? <laughs> Are you embarrassed to think about that? Are you embarrassed? I'm kind of embarrassed to say that. But God made it up and put it between a man and a woman as a selfless act forever, just between the two of them. So nothing wrong with this, okay? But this is another, this is not the kind of love that we're talking about here. We're talking about agape love, which is God's love. And we just heard, we just read, we're supposed to love each other, one another, with this kind of love that comes from God. This love is totally different from the other two. And these two, we can have inside of us. We can conjure these up. We can actually, these are inside that we can bring to the surface and we can love like this all on our own. But this right here, you can't love on your own. And what we're talking about on about this is selfless, self-sacrificing, you before me, unconditional, forever love. That's what we're talking about here in First John. And you and I are commanded, dear friends, dear brothers, some of your Bibles might say, beloved, let us agape one another. Let us love one another. Loving this kind of love, loving like God, because this is God's love, it isn't self-taught. It's from God. And the first thing that John wants us to see is that we need God's help. God helps us love in this way. We can't do it on our, on our own. Go back to verse seven again. Dear friends, let us love one another. I just wanna stop and emphasize something here. This literally translates from the, from the Greek. It literally translates like this. Let us keep on loving one another and don't stop. Let us keep on loving, agape, loving one another, selflessly, sacrificially, you before me, unconditionally loving each other for a lifetime. You're locked in love with me, like it or not. I'm locked in love with you forever. We're not talking about some weird, mushy thing here. We're talking about selflessly giving of ourselves, unconditionally loving each other, agape, God-loving each other forever. That's what you and I, that's the relationship that we're locked into with one another. You okay with that? Hmm. I'm going to save that, what I, that thought that just came I'm going to save it for a second. Romans 12.10 says this to us. Let us seek to try to outdo one another in showing love, brotherly kindness, and honor for the rest of our lives. Isn't that something? Paul says in Ephesians 5.21... Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Isn't it amazing that we are commanded to love one another all throughout Scripture, to submit to one another in a self-sacrificing, unconditional, you-before-me forever love that we can't do? It's impossible for us to love this way. That's why we need God's help. And what I wanna show you and help you with, and what John's gonna help us with, is that when we become Christians, when we're saved, he gives us his Holy Spirit in order to supernaturally have the power to do the things that naturally we cannot do. These are very easy for us. We fall in and out of this kind of love a lot, though because of our natural tendency. You hurt my feelings, what am I gonna do? I don't like you anymore. I don't love you anymore. Hey, bro, you're not my bro. Something goes haywire here, and I'm not getting enough to satisfy me, then I'm not giving you anything. We've, we, This is easy for us. This is impossible for us. It's not self-taught. It has to come from God. The Holy Spirit of God has to help us on this journey. Okay, so let's lighten up on each other a little bit. I thought somebody would say, yes, please. (laughs) Because some of us are hard to love. And it's hard to love unloving people. And we have natural tendencies Against, opposite of this because we're come out of the womb selfish and so to be selfless and to be self-sacrificing in everything and to love one another in that way oh how we need God's help in order to do that and this goes way beyond the walls of this congregation you need to hear me okay this is for the family of God this is for the body of Christ that we're talking about here I was in the back room and this, this thing came to my mind and I'm like, God, do you really want me to say that? But, and so I think it's yes. <laughs> Remember at the very beginning, I said, God, why do you love me? Because you know how fickle I am and you know how broken I am and how selfish I am. You know, sometimes we hurt each other. And I'm talking in the body of Christ. Sometimes we say things and we do things, and sometimes we have bad attitudes. And we hurt each other because we're human. And so, what do we do? We run away. We run away from each other. Sometimes we like that church hurt me, I'm leaving that church. And you leave, and you're all mad, and you're ticked off, and you go somewhere else. Um, Or you break fellowship with a brother or a sister because of something that has happened. And so, like the next time you meet at the grocery store and you see them down the aisle, you freak out and you ditch them. And you go down the next aisle, or you leave the store completely. Sometimes the pain is so bad that you part fellowship. And then you show up at somebody's wedding because you're invited to the wedding or you come to a funeral and you see a person, that person, the one that caused the pain and you walk away. You don't even attend the thing because it's like, no, I'm not going there. No, I'm not doing that. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's not okay in the family of God. We can run and not fix it, but I need you to hear me loud and clear. The Holy Spirit of God is grieved when God's children part ways, when God's children break fellowship over something silly, especially. Well, what about the hard things? Are there some things in this world that are just too big for the Holy Spirit to handle? Can we submit to the power and will of the Holy Spirit of God and to his word and go humbly, sometimes crawling on our knees to those that we have hurt or even come humbly to those who have hurt us and say, please forgive me. Or can we talk about what you did? Because, oh, how pleasant it is to God when his children walk in unity together. Satan has come to kill, steal, destroy, and I always add, and to divide, because that's what he does. And he loves to divide God's people. I just need to tell you that that's not okay with God. Dear friends, John says, let us love one another forever. You can run from the problem. You can run from that person who's the problem. (laughs) But listen to me, the only way that that's gonna work is if you're not a Christian. Because if you're a Christian and they're a Christian, you got to spend the rest of eternity. And I guarantee you, you'd much rather fix it down here than have Jesus be the one to help you and make you fix it up there. Because we're going to spend eternity together. And this thing that he's saying here, the inclination of this verse right here, dear friends, let us love one another, literally is, let us agape love each other selflessly, self-sacrificially, unconditionally, Forever. Continue to love one another. I read this in my study, one author wrote this. What strife cannot be stomped out by love? What pride cannot be pummeled by love? What conflict cannot be crushed by a supernatural heaven-sent love? That's what God wants from his people. That's what God wants from all of us. And that's what John is telling us. Let us love one another. Kindred spirits are great, right? Friendships are awesome. Sex is amazing. But he's not talking about any of that. I'm going to say it again. He's talking about selfless, self-sacrificing, you before me, unconditional lifetime love. And this love only comes from God's help. Am I making John's point clear? Good. Because <laughs> it needs to be loud and clear that it's supernatural. Supernatural. It's not natural. You can't do it on your own. In fact, maybe you're in a broken marriage or your marriage, maybe you're married to a spouse that doesn't know the Lord and they don't have the same common interest as you when it comes to the things of God and, and they're struggling. There's a struggle all the time about that because their priorities are not your priorities and sometimes they don't treat you right and sometimes they're like they're, They're mean-spirited, and you're like, you shouldn't act like that. Well, they're, they're not Christians, and they don't know any different, and they're just doing what is natural, coming natural to them, and you're saying to yourself, I can't love them like this. I cannot love them the way God wants me to love them. It's impossible. You're right. You're right. You can't. With man, that kind of thing is impossible. But with God, that kind of thing is completely possible because all things are possible with him. And with God's help, my friends, with God's help, I know, I can, I can testify to it, there can be a love that comes out of you that is supernatural because you're a child of God. And with God's help, you can do the things that love demands because you're in Christ, you can Everyone who loves this kind of love, verse seven, this back half says, has been born of God and knows God. But the reverse is also true. Look at verse eight. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If you're incapable of selfless, sacrificial, you-before-me, unconditional love, it's because you don't know God. This is the whole point today. You can't summon to the surface of your life, something you don't have inside of you. Remember the heart that we had up here last week? Remember the heart and what is in your heart is what comes out in your attitudes and behaviors and your actions that you, that you come out onto the surface. If you don't have the love of God in your heart, then you cannot bring it out into the open and love others with it because it's not there. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to actually experience the love of God in order to express it to others. And God helps us with that in salvation and by his Holy Spirit. Here's the second thing. I love this. This is very powerful. God not only helps me love, but he shows me love. See, God God isn't in the business of just laying down a command and saying, here, do it. He tells us that we need to do it He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us do it. And then he says, oh, and by the way, let me give you an example. Let me show you what kind of love I'm talking about. And that's what John's getting ready to show us in verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. There is so much. This is such a power-packed verse This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Here's the message. Until you have a salvation experience with the manifested love of God through his son Jesus, which is what that means, then you can't know this love. We've already said that. And if there isn't a come to Jesus moment in your life, if there hasn't been a time where you have humbled yourself and repented of your sins, and accepted the free gift of salvation through the love of God and the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. Then you don't know how to live. The Bible says you're not alive. You may be breathing, but you aren't alive. Did you see it in there? He sent his one and only son into the world. Why? So that we can live Through him. If you don't have him, and had he not sent his son into the world, then we would be dead still. And Jesus came so that we can live. The Bible is clear that before Christ, look at Ephesians 2 1. I'm going to have it on the screen for you. Before Christ, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Well, if you can walk, then you're living. Yes, but you're not really living. You're walking but you're dead. This is literally the walking dead. Anyone who's not in Christ is walking dead in the world in their sins. You aren't alive. You're following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Satan is the one who has come, the scripture says, to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's a liar. And he's deceiving everyone in this world. And he's deceived the minds of many of us into thinking that if you really want to live, then you have to find that real life, that living, that real living in the things the world has to offer. That you can find it in friendships, that you can find it in sex, in gratifying the, the base nature of who you are. That's where satisfaction will be. And it's a lie. He goes on in verse three You all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I love verse four because then God shows up and shows off, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Go back to 1 John 4:9, one more time. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. How did he show? Us, he sent his son. And John tells us in his gospel that this is the only begotten son. I want you to know that God spared no expense. He sent his very best for you and for me. This is his how he shows what love is. His most valued possession is who he sent so that we might live. God made the move. He didn't, he's not standing around waiting for the people of the world to figure this out. He comes to us while we're still sinners, while we're dead, while we're walking around in our trespasses and our sins, just trying to gobble up things to satisfy our souls and nothing satisfying. He comes to us by his Holy Spirit, and he leads us into everlasting life. He leads us into real living, the Christian living. God made the move. God sent his son, his son, his one and only. He sent his best. He didn't send us some low-level, goofy angel named Clarence to come save the world. (laughs) I'm earning my wings. I'm earning my wings. That's not what he's doing. That's not what God's about. God says, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, and he goes and finds the very most valuable thing that he has and sent his son, his one and only. That's what John says. He sent his one and only son, into the world. He gave his best, spared no expense. Can you see the selflessness of God on God's part? Did you, do you, can you see the sacrifice? Can you see the unconditional you before me example that God sets before us, showing us the way of love? And I want you to hear this God didn't send his son for himself. How many times do we do sacrificial things so that we can get something in return? God didn't do that. God didn't send his son for himself. Look at verse eight. God demonstrated his great love for, I'm sorry, this is Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated his great love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how he demonstrates his love to us. We are the recipients. We are the focus of the love of God. Verse 10 of 1 John says, this is love, not that we love God. We already know that's impossible. You didn't decide to love God one day. God made the move to you with his love and offered his love to you. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You know the whole gospel is summed up in those two words, atoning sacrifice what that means is that the payment has been made for your sins when jesus died on the cross and shed his blood he paid the price that your sin to man yeah well what's the big deal about that well <clears throat> can i get real serious here at the end of the message can i get serious with you you all right with that are you still with me The wrath of God is coming upon all men who are still in their sins. The Bible is clear about that. Do you know when you get saved, we talk about being saved, what we're being saved from is the wrath of God against us because of our sins. This is why God sent his son to pay the price, to make the payment so that you and I can be saved from the wrath to come. I want to show you in Zephaniah, and I hope it will sober your mind, Zephaniah 1, way back then, way back then, verse 14, the great day of the Lord is near. I'm gonna pause, okay, just for a second. Do you understand that the great Day of the Lord is near. Amen. If it was near then, my friends, it's a whole lot closer now. Amen. I promise you. And what that means is that the day of God's wrath against sin is here. It's near. It's coming. For sure. It's not something, maybe it'll be here. It's coming. The armies of heaven are armed for battle and are standing at attention, just waiting for the word. The war horses, they're stomping and they're snorting, ready to hear the word from the Father when his divine judgment will be poured out on the earth. Zephaniah goes on The cry on the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty warrior shouts his battle cry. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the corner towers. I will bring such distress on all people that they will grope about like those who are blind because they have sinned against the Lord. you hear that? Their blood will be poured out like dust and their entrails like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, the whole earth will be consumed, for he will make a sudden end of all who live on the earth. This is serious. This is prophetic. This is going to happen. And he says it is here. Revelation describes it like this in Revelation 6:15. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid themselves. And among the rocks in the mountains, they called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can withstand it? My friends, do you understand that the great day of the Lord is near? It's upon us, and no one will survive the wrath of God against their sin. The only provision that has been made in the universe for sin's payment is the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. Many people try to tell us in this world that there are many ways to salvation, to avoiding this coming wrath. No, there's not. There's only one, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you're relying on any other thing other than the sacrificial death burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for your salvation, then you are doomed to experience the wrath of God upon your life. It's a serious thing. You're like, man, Phil, you're trying to scare us? Yes. I don't believe that fear ought to be what brings you to salvation, but I can tell you that truth should bring you to salvation. And I'm giving you the truth, the hard facts That the day of the Lord is near. Our world doesn't believe this. Is someone gonna answer for all the sin we see around us? Is someone gonna pay the price for all the lawlessness that there is in this world and exists in this world? Is anyone going to give an account for all the selfish, self serving, hedonistic behavior of the people of the planet? You better believe it. It's coming. It's here. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 1.10, Jesus rose from the dead to rescue us from the wrath that is to come. When you are in Christ and you experience his love, You're victorious over this wrath. You're victorious over sin. You're victorious over death because of what Jesus did for you. Please hear me. God demonstrated his love for you by punishing his own son so that you can be forgiven. He took the punishment of your sins and he poured it out on Jesus Christ. The Bible is clear all have sinned and fall short of God's glory and we're all doomed because of our sin. The payment for that sin is death. But there's a free gift that is offered to all of us, and that is Jesus Christ. Because of God's great love that he showed us, he sacrificed his son so that you and I can be saved. Christian, friend, do you get this? And see, you're sitting back right now saying, yeah, he's preaching to everybody who needs Jesus. Actually, I'm preaching to all of us. I'm standing right down in here before the first, before this service, talking to a brother of mine. And in tears, we're talking about how selfish we are. Because in a world when we know that the end is near and we know that the day of the Lord is coming and after that day comes, it's too late. Why aren't we more anxious to get the word out? Why aren't we more committed? You know, last week... We celebrated, and I I do not diminish this at all. We celebrated that 38 people came to Christ through our ministries last year. (laughs) You know I love you, right? You guys, if every single one of us, because we have the love of the Father inside of us and because we are so grateful for the sacrifice that has been made on our behalf, if every one of of us got really serious about that and wanted to just show God how much we love him, and if every one of us, this is what we were talking about, if every one of us would just go after one person, just intentionally share the gospel with one person, we have hundreds and hundreds of people that attend this church, If we got excited about that and we fully understood what God did for us, then we would sacrifice that time, that uncomfortable setting, whatever it is that keeps us from sharing the gospel, and we would put it away and we would just go share the gospel freely with everybody that we possibly can. And if every one of us just committed this year to one person, I'll guarantee you we'll have more than 38 salvation decisions at the end of the year, though we celebrate the thirty-eight. If all of our ministries came up with one soul saved, it would be worth all the work that we did. But I can tell you something, today is the day of salvation. God is at work supernaturally saving people. All over the world, people are coming to Christ. In fact, they're coming to Christ on their own right now all over the world because the day of the Lord is near and he wants all of us to share the gospel because the judgment is coming. We're living in the age of grace, where the love of God has made a way to be saved from his wrath to come, and I just wanna to talk to anybody who does not know the Lord that's sitting in here, hearing my voice, or you're online, wherever you are. If you don't know the Lord, I just need you to know something. Today is the day of salvation. You're hearing this gospel, you're hearing this message today, so that you can be saved. God is giving you a chance to be saved today. You do not know if you have tomorrow none of us do but i can tell you if you die in your sins tomorrow or the day of the lord comes tomorrow it's too late for you he offers you today the free gift of salvation from the judgment coming for your sins but you've got to reach out humble yourself and repent of your sins if you are to be saved God helps me love. God shows me love. And next week, we're going to jump into God makes me love. Isn't that going to be fun? We'll finish this up next week. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure, the saints and angels song. God's love is perfect. God's love is passionate God's love is satisfying and God's love is forever if you don't have that love you can have it today let's stand together and let me dismiss you in prayer before I pray I just want to say that um, if you don't know the Lord would you please reach out and receive him today we want to help you with that. You don't need our help with it. You could just pray, repent of your sins, and receive the free gift of salvation. But we'd love to know that you did that or we'd help, we can help you with it. If you're wherever you are online and you want to receive Christ as your Savior, you can reach out to us. Right now, our prayer team is waiting to hear from you. You can just raise your hand through... Let the electronics and let us know you want to have a relationship with the Lord. We want to help you with that. Father, this is what I want to say at the end, the very end here. We're just thankful, and we just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your love. We're thankful that you sacrificially gave of the best that you had, and you held back nothing from us to purchase our salvation and our redemption. I thank you that we have your Holy Spirit that helps us in our weakness and helps us love each other with this selfless, self-sacrificing, unconditional, you-before-me-forever love. We need your help with this, Lord, because we are going to hurt each other, and we're going to do things that we shouldn't, and we're going to have attitudes we shouldn't have but would you help us by your Holy Spirit stay unified and stay in love with each other because we're locked in this forever. Guide us in it. Pierce our hearts. Uh, Pierce our hearts with deep conviction when we're too selfish to share you and to share this wonderful love with other people that we have in ourselves. Help us to be determined, all of us, to go out and share you this week with those who need to hear. Can't wait to hear the stories, Lord, and can't wait to see what you're going to do through your people. Bless my brothers and sisters now as they go. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I love you with all my heart. You're dismissed.